right, here we go for Soul 90, January 15th. Only minus 34 on a Monday morning. Only minus 34. I think that's that's probably the warmest it's been driving into the station the last few days. Uh, obviously, we didn't do it on the weekend, but driving or getting up early in the morning. And uh, hopefully everyone had a, a safe weekend, stayed warm. Thanks so much for tuning into the Kevin Carey Show uh, for a Monday morning where, again, the Oilers continue to roll. They are hot, hot, hot while the weather's cold, cold, cold. You know, it's going to get to about minus 22 today. That's like, that's crazy to talk about that. It just feels like that's balmy considering what we've been uh, going through. And hopefully the week uh, as we progress will be uh, just as good. I think it's going to be a lot warmer, obviously, than it was last week. And again, hopefully everybody stayed safe, stayed warm, because uh, that was a tough few days uh, to get through in our city. But I'm sure the hardy group that we are, everybody seemed to get through it. The Oilers sure didn't. Imagine getting home from a road trip where you're out in eastern Canada and the United States, Montreal and, and Chicago. And, uh, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden you come into Edmonton at uh, whatever time they would have got in. And you go to the airport and you're whipping home from uh, a long one-week road trip, and you go, holy smokes, is it cold. Oilers had the day off yesterday. We'll have uh, back to practice today. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs are here. Tomorrow as this, uh, you know, the original six tour continues with uh, three games on the road, and then uh, the Leafs here on uh, tomorrow night. And the Oilers with 10 wins in a row. I mean, when you think about it, and you, you could hear the comments from the players after the game on Saturday night, just in the sense of, you know, we, we really wanted this. You, you go back to all the great teams that the Oilers had in the 80s and they just could not win 10 in a row. You know, won nine in a row. And, you know, even the Oilers last year, uh, you know, had the, the nine-game winning streak and had it again, you know, in 2001, had uh, nine in a row. It's, it just seems odd that, you know, all the great teams never had that opportunity and never had uh, that success to win that many games in a row. But now it's something special for these team, this team to have that record for a franchise. And we've talked about it for so many years here. You look at, okay, Connor McDavid had did this. Connor, 150 points. Leon, 50 goals, blah, blah, blah. Zach Hyman's off to a fabulous start. But this is a team thing. This Every one of these guys... You know, you know, you're coming home on the plane. We we just ripped off our tenth in a row. Big, just you feel good about where you are and uh, what you've accomplished and what you can be. I guess. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Um, <laughs> How about a tale of two cities in the NFL uh, when you think about what happened yesterday? Detroit, just on top of the world. Dallas, feeling like, I don't know, Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the Cleveland Browns go into Houston and just get pounded by the Dukes. Houston Texans, Duke, you got to come on here first. I, I got to get this out of the way. I mean, I, I I sent you a text yesterday. I said, have you come down off cloud nine yet from Saturday? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the Duke acted like he'd been there before. You know, just just another victory. Yeah. You know, no big deal. It's been uh, it's been a few years since we all saw a playoff win and actually wins of virtually any kind, really, with the Houston Texans. So it was a very pleasant surprise. 
Um, I knew the offense would come to play, but the Browns' defense was surprisingly bad. I couldn't really believe it. Uh, but and the, I think the biggest surprise for me on the day was the Texans' defense. It's been mm-hmm. pretty hit or miss all season, but they really came up big. Um, you know, a couple picks, the pick six. Uh, Joe Flacco, you know, clock kind of striking midnight on the Cinderella run for him. Um, it's disappointing for the Browns. I mean, mm-hmm. they were I, th- I don't know if it, the technical like man games lost injury, if that's a stat in the NFL like it is in that the NHL. Uh, they would have been close to leading the league, of course, with Chubb, the quarterbacks. Y- you run down the list. So it's uh, disappointing for them, but I-, I will happily take the victory and a big one at that. It was pretty much blowout city all weekend with the wild card games uh, until last, last night, night. He came down to the wire, which uh, I'm sure we'll kind of get to the rest of them mm-hmm. throughout the course of the morning. But to start with, the, it was a great way to start the weekend off on Saturday afternoon after I <laughs> did not thankfully have to make the trek down to Delbert on Friday oh, night. Good. The uh, the league canceled all the games uh, due to the too bad cold, weather, yeah. making travel a little too dangerous. But I told you, Duke, I said this is the best thing that could you, happen to you, Houston. You were right, Kevin. I, yeah. I will uh, give credit where it is due. Like I said, I, I wasn't going to like, I, I had a pretty... I don't know, lucrative or financially rewarding weekend betting across all the games. Starting with Saturday, I bet on the Texans to to cover. I bet on them on the money line. I had some parlays with Stroud and Nico Collins having big days, which of course Where are we going for lunch? Well, that's pretty well (laughs) it. And then I pretty much threw it all away on the Sunday night or last night. So that, that, but I still got to, you know, don't chase your losses, but thankfully there's two more games today to, uh, to make it back up. But yeah, the Texans, great performance complete opposite cross state in Dallas uh, yesterday yes. afternoon. So I don't think anyone saw this one coming. Maybe they could see Green Bay winning I, like I said a close game, but they, I mean, the Packers absolutely demolished in every facet of the game. It was not close. I mean, anywhere. Right from the, the, you know what? As soon as they won the coin toss and said we're taking the ball, and you rip off Quiet a seven and a half minute drive. Yeah. I mean, Dak Prescott sitting on the sidelines, and I mean, the Cowboys offense looked anemic it was just hopeless uh, i mean you saw jerry jones after the game last night you saw him during the game i mean this, i was thinking about and then when i watched you know this the second game last night in, in detroit i i just felt about the one the one phrase pay the price and i saw guys paying the price last night you know mm-hmm. even the rams guy like you know puka paid the price going over the middle several times uh, all all every detroit player Paid the price. Green Bay players paid the price. I don't think I can remember one Dallas Cowboy player where I went, that guy's paying the price. Like CeeDee Lamb, are you really contesting a ball? Yeah. All of them. Every, like, you know, go go to all the receivers. Are you really, really paying the price? And, and it I was, didn't see it. It was more of the same from the Dolphins on Saturday night, yeah. too, in the cold. I mean, they, they were allergic to tackling by the end of that game. But you could even see in the Cowboys game as it was out of hand. I mean, it's so funny with Dak Prescott. Uh, I, I still think Dak's a good quarterback. Don't don't let this be construed. But of, you kind of knew once they were down 27 nothing, and it's like, okay, well, this game is, is over. But you just knew that in, quote-unquote, garbage time, that Prescott would rack up numbers, yeah. probably end up throwing 14. Because he finished with, what, 369 passing yards, Just four touchdowns. Threw the ball, what, 60 times? I don't it, even know. It, yeah, oh, at least 60 yeah. by the time it was over. So, it like, the it number... If, joke. If you just look at the box score, you're kind of like, oh, man, yeah, Dak threw a couple <laughs> picks, but he really held his team in it. Because the final score ended up being pretty close, right? So... 60, two point, two, 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 two score scores, game. Two but, scores. I mean, it, it was so... It, again, just watching the Cowboys, I, I was thinking... Where does this team go? Yeah. Like, you, so you think you have a great quarterback. You think you have a great receiver. But again, I just looked at last night. I lo- I watched, you know, St. Brown play compared to C.D. Lamb. Yeah. And I went, this guy's playing 
to win playing hard. He's he's going for every ball. He's contesting every possible pass. And that goes with everyone on the lines and and for the Rams for that matter. I mean that game could have went either way. You know, it was a yeah, close oh, game. Yeah, down so, down to the wire. Yeah. And it's so funny that the game last night, like it started off as a track meet, you know. Uh <laughs> Lions scoring on the first three possessions with three straight touchdowns, Rams field goal and two touchdowns and then all of a sudden in the second half it really kind of tightened up a little bit I mean the over missed whereas of the end of the first half it looked like a lock mm-hmm. um, so it, you, the Rams I was on them but I think overall you look at this was supposed to be a kind of transition year of course Matt Stafford's return reform Cooper Cup being healthy Puka Nakua and uh, Kendrick Kendry Williams um, great seasons so with all that being said like the Rams losing as a lower seeded team against the like really powerhouse lines, you kind of look at it and be like, okay, you know what? On on to the future. We still got a great core here. The Cowboys, it's the complete no. opposite. It's like this was supposed to be it. Undefeated for virtually two straight seasons on home field. Offense as dynamic as it comes, and it's not close. So it's funny. Like Detroit, you can say what happened in that Dallas game, Dallas and Detroit. Detroit, everyone kind of thought they deserved the number two seed, yeah. and now they're going to get another home game because of Dallas losing. So Detroit will uh, play host to uh, either Philly or Tampa Bay next Sunday. Your Houston team will go to either Baltimore or KC. Yeah. We'll see what happens, I guess, uh, in the other game. And it's Martin Luther King Day today. Yes. And so Buffalo's, obviously the game was moved from Saturday to today at 2.30. They're still shoveling. They're still shoveling in Buffalo to get the stadium ready. We were talking about the weather all weekend here and, well, all week really from last Tuesday, Wednesday on. Still shoveling in Buffalo. It's going to be snow. There will be wind. It will be chilly. Uh, We'll see what happens in today's game in the afternoon. And, again, Martin Luther King did tons of NHL games, and now they, they sort of obviously take a back seat. I think there's about a half dozen afternoon games in the NHL yeah. today because of Martin Luther King Day. They all take a backseat because the NFL moving the game. How about Buffalo Sabres saying, uh, we have to move our game time because of the... <laughs> and, you know, like, no one cares about the Sabres in uh, Buffalo. I mean, not, not not today, no, that's for sure. No, no, not today. No. So, uh, anyway, I had to... I, I wanted to mention to you, Duke, if I can get this right. Vasile Nowerik. That is Happy New Year in Ukrainian. Thank you. Vasile Nowerik, I think. If I got it right, I think it was yesterday. But I mean, if we were going on the eight nine days of n- normal New Year's Day, yeah, we can probably do that for we another. Can we can go for a week here. So for, now, all, every guest we have on for the next Vasile, week, you have to wish them Happy New Year in Ukraine. Vasile Nawey Reek. Uh, text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Fat Afron says, "Good morning, Kevin and the Duke Cowboys still suck. Bring on the Ravens." Um, King of Fort Nasty. The Packers were counting their chickens a little early, almost cost them. Uh, I don't know. Oh, come on. It was, it, the, that was, oh, the game was never in doubt, King. but it is funny because they did take the starters no. out and then put them back in. Yes. But so that, that is, that is a little humorous, but the game was never in it, doubt. It, the game, not even after, I think after it was 14, maybe, maybe, well, they missed the extra point. It was 20, nothing, right? Yeah. Even at that point, I, I, I still, you, you kind of go, well, Dallas has enough guns to come back, but they never showed anything. They showed zip. They were lucky to get a touchdown at the end of the half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and then like, it's, it's so, cause even their first onside kick attempt, like they got the bounce they wanted. The ball was loose, but they didn't have, that they, guy's arm they, and didn't have they didn't have anybody with no. them, like even close they quit, to quit. Like all the special teamers quit. The, the, 
like you said, Kevin, this game yeah. was in the Packers' favor in every single facet, offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah. There were mistakes made by the Cowboys across the board. They did not deserve to win. They got blown out. Better luck next year. Good luck you, uh, finding a new job this offseason, Mike McCarthy. So, yeah, well, we haven't even got to that yet. So all the rumors just swirling about Bill Belichick going to <laughs> Dallas now. Like, do you really think Bill Belichick wants to be have anything to do with Jerry Jones? Or does he care? Yeah, I, 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 because he, Bill Belichick is a, um, like, I want the control. I want to make the decisions pretty well top to bottom. So I was sitting in the garage yesterday with my buddy Big Baldy, and he said, do you think Bill Belichick would phone, because they're good friends, Jimmy Johnson and Bill, they go fishing mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So Jimmy Johnson saw this for, well, his whole time. <laughs> Since Jimmy Johnson left, the Cowboys haven't won. We know that. So Bill Belichick, would he phone Jimmy Johnson and go, what do you think? Is it as bad as it? And Jimmy Johnson's going to go, this is according to my buddy Big Baldy there. He goes, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson's going to go, are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, they just put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor this year. Because After all, the, because of the, because the, of the like, rift the, exactly. between the two. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the bad blood between yeah. uh, Jerry Jones and, uh, and Jimmy Johnson. So, yeah, if, if that was the case, I do think Jimmy Johnson would probably be like, not worth the time. There's, 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 look how many coaching openings there are in the NFL right now. Like, and Belichick 25% can, can in right theory, now. have his pick. I mean, for him, it's like basically he gets offered a job. Like, I don't think Bill Belichick's going in and interviewing for one of these mm-hmm. positions. It's Maybe it's the Falcons. Maybe it's the Chargers. Chargers are interviewing Harbaugh today, yes. uh, according to reports. So, uh, but like one of these teams is just going to call Belichick and say, "Hey, do you want this job?" Like, what? Are you, what about the Raiders? Even if Antonio, if they like, ha- don't make the effort to to keep Antonio Pearson house, and he goes and coaches the Titans or something with the well, Raiders. Would, if the Raiders don't keep Antonio Pierce, now that I mean, give me a break here. Because because think about just it. What, stop what's the, it already. What's the Davis. price tag on keeping Antonio Pierce versus? Um, hiring Bill Belichick, who has been the highest paid coach for Just, how long got, now? But all your players you're, love Pierce. You're, and Stay you're, with the guy you got. You're already paying Gruden still. Yeah. You're still paying McDaniels. And this is a team that complains about uh, money because by relative terms, um, their owner is one of the poorest in the NFL. So, yeah. You know, uh, Green Bay 6-0 and at AT&T Stadium. That's it's a pretty just, good stat. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have... We, a terrible, uh, well, just not terrible, but Chris Pronger was supposed to be in studio with us today. Uh, couldn't get his flight uh, from, I guess, St. Louis, I would imagine, because of the cold. There, yeah, there like was some that. sort of connect. We got an email yeah. last night, and it was about basically apologize. Yeah, Chris yeah. won't be able to make it. Um, basically saying by the time he got here, you know, would have missed the hit. So I think they're even so they're, I, yeah. they're rescheduling his um, bottle signings and stuff uh, with the whiskey drop mm-hmm. and all that. So uh, we're hoping a, he'll be back t- another time. When is he going to come this week or not? I don't think yeah, it. No, I, I don't, don't think yeah. this week. But so just a quick, just a you know one of those hypothetical questions to you now, Duke, because we would have seen what I, I'm assuming that Pronger had he showed up today and you know and it was going to be at what eight forty? Yeah. Had he shown up, I'm sure he would have been bringing in a bottle or two of his Journey whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming he would have said, you know, just sample this. So with all that, how many would how many shots would you have had at 8.40 in the morning, Duke? I would have had one. Just one? Just a, you know, a little sampler. I, if, he would, if, he, if he would have left us a bottle... No, then, no, but I'm talking like this morning, 8.40 in the morning. Yeah, I he goes, here, Duke, have a little sample. Yeah, I would have just had one. Just one. Just one. A taste. What about Donovan, the intern over he there? He could have had as much as he wanted. <laughs> Poor guy sitting over there in the corner freezing, freezing to death. Yeah, we're freezing. It's <laughs> minus 10 in the studio again. <laughs> I, you know, I would have probably had more than one. 
just to you know you know the guy comes a long way from St. Louis. Oh, yeah. He's bringing the bottle into the. But you're the host. Doesn't matter. You're, you're you got to pay respect to the big man, Pronger. Exactly. So you're the one here chopping it up with him for 10, 15 minutes. You you guys can enjoy, basically have like pour yourself a couple on the rocks. <laughs> no, I I mean just straight out of the bottle. Like just <laughs> just you know. yeah, you're just tra- tanning it back yeah, and forth like just, you're a couple cowboys over exactly. the campfire. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, Prongs won't be here today. But uh, coming up uh, after the break, we got Alan Mitchell from the uh, Lowdown with uh, Low Tide coming up at 7.20. Laurieann Munzer will be our uh, co-host, as usual, every Monday morning from 8 to 10. Mark Spector joins us at 8 o'clock uh, on the mark for Booster Juice. Unfortunately, yes, Prongs will not be here. Uh, we'll we'll try to get him on when he comes through. We'll get him in the studio again. Uh, Jerome Solomon will break down the Houston Texans' massive win over Cleveland. Uh, Solomon uh, writes for the Houston Chronicle. Of course, we've got our in or out with Laurie and Munzer at 940. And then Ed Kratz uh, to uh, tee up today's game of the day. Uh, well, there's actually two big games in the NFL and a lot of games in the NHL, but Ed Kratz will uh, uh, check in with the uh, Eagles' look towards uh, what Philly needs to do to uh, get past Tampa Bay uh, tonight in the uh, Monday Nighter in the NFL. No A.J. Brown for the Eagles. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of Oilers. Uh, oh, kind of a nice little run they're on with uh, Alan Mitchell coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Kenny and Dolly. Can't beat it. Can you do it? Al loves it, eh? He loves Kenny. Well, I'm going to ask Al. I, I think I asked uh, Low Tide about uh, I Am the Greatest by Kenny Rogers last time he was on. I'll have to see if he listened to that song. Uh, time now for the uh, Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Uh, Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. You can visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services they offer. We've got uh, Alan Mitchell with us. Morning, Low Tide. How are you, sir? Good, good. So do you remember the last time you were on, I did ask you, have you heard that song, I Am the Greatest by Kenny Rogers? Yes. And did you have a listen to it? I did not. <laughs> oh, oh, I was. We we played it at my my father's funeral, uh, and it's just a great song. So it's and it has it's about baseball too, or kind of and and life, you know. So well, I I promise now that it's in my brain again. I promise to listen. I am a Kenny Rogers fan, going mm-hmm. back to uh, uh, Kenny Rogers in the first edition, who you might remember. Yes. So I I'm betting, <laughs> I'm betting when you listen to it, you will have a you'll get a little tear in your eye. No, I, I, I do about baseball. I remember uh, uh, sitting in a couple of baseball movies, um, and my dad was ill. I remember very well um, the, the uh, uh, Moonlight Graham movie. The, yes. the name escapes me now. And I'm sitting there. Field I'm of crying. Dreams. Yeah, Field of Dreams. I'm sitting there, and I'm crying. And I was with somebody, and they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just, this movie is about my dad. And they're like, it's not about your dad. It's about baseball. I'm like, no, it, it's about my dad. It really is. And and I think that um, there are, you know, music, as you say, with the Kenny Rogers song, and uh, certainly, you know, movies or whatever. Uh, and I don't know why baseball is important to me, except that I know it comes from my dad. You know, it's a that's a good point, Al. And the same with me. Uh, my dad was a big fastball guy and baseball, but I think it's the time because baseball. When you watch baseball, you have the opportunity, whoever you're sitting with at a game or on TV, to have a conversation with and and get to know the person because the game is slower. You can talk in between pitches, between innings. 
hockey, football, it's too fast, and you have that ability in baseball. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I would, and I also think that that you know I don't know about your dad. I'm sure it's yeah. at least partly true. Uh, my dad talked in a different way when he was talking about baseball. He, you know, most of the time he was talking to me, he was very busy and on his way to do something. Uh, and and when baseball came on, even if we ended up watching baseball and we could talk about life or whatever, it was just a different tone, a different feel. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're a kid, when you're talking to your dad, and you get those moments. Um, you know, my dad was a, I, he was a really great guy. He was, so I really cherished those. So part of the reason I love baseball so much is that he shared a part of himself with me during baseball games that maybe I didn't see at other times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a text in just on, before we kind of get to Oilers and stuff uh, from Matt and LaDuke. I'm not old enough to have seen Billy Martin and George Steinbrenner in New York, but that's exactly what I imagine Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick would be like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and well, I remember Billy Martin and Steinbrenner. And, oh, I mean, holy cow! They they, they were like a, a, a fire and and you know what, whatever oil, yeah. Whatever starts yeah starts yeah. a fire even higher. Martin was such a, a, a mercurial player or a coach or manager, mm-hmm. and and Steinbrenner would just like he was one of those. He was a bull, you know, like he never no was not in his vocabulary if you were saying it, and and. Um, you know, they had success together, but the, whenever Martin would get fired, they'd bring in Bob Lemon, who was the quietest guy <laughs> yeah. on earth. And they had success with Lemon, too, because everybody was so sick of Martin's act. Um, and then the Reggie Jackson was in there, I was too, just going to say, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, you have Steinbrenner and Martin, and then you add Reggie Jackson into the cocktail. And, of course, he's oh, self, you know, admittedly said he was the straw that stirs the drink in New York. Yeah, oh. he was. He was a great ball player. Oh. I, I, Reggie Jackson was the one guy in, in the history of my time watching baseball. And I don't know how it happened. I do know how batting order works. But for some reason, whenever there was a big, big moment in the game, uh, like a, a, a crescendo or a, a, a pressure point, Reggie was coming to the plate. I don't know how it ever happened, yeah. but it always seemed like he was in the center of everything. It, it's almost like, you know, when you if you watch an old baseball movie or whatever, and like just say, you know, Bull Durham, Kevin Costner came up every inning, it seemed. You know, that's how yeah. it was with Reggie. That's how it seemed. Yeah. You know, and I, I know we're not getting to Oilers here in as, uh, as quickly as we should be, but Thurman Munson was about the only guy that could keep Reggie in line. Yeah, and then he, of course, tragically yeah. died, I think, in 1978. Uh, and and that Yankees team, to me, still in 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 my lifetime might be the most compelling. I mean, the Jeter Yankees were, were mm-hmm. really good, and, but they were kind of workmanlike and businesslike. The, the, the late seventies Yankees that, you know, and they did win some world series. They, they, they took a little bit of the Oakland A's swagger and, and zaniness. And they, they applied it to a, a Yankees team that hadn't been very good, maybe two or three years earlier. And, it worked. It, like they were, they they got uh, uh, Ron Guidry. They yep. had all kinds of great ball players, but they were always. I felt like they were they were more interesting than previous Yankee and later Yankees teams. And part of that was, as you say, Steinbrenner, Martin, Reggie Jackson. 
You know, Alan, uh, we're, as we're with Alan Mitchell on Sports 1440, that was my team. I mean, I've always been a Yankee fan. I can still name the starting lineup from the back-to-back World Series championship teams in 77, 78 uh, with Craig, Greg, it's not Craig, it's Greg Nettles at third, yep. Bucky Dent at short, Willie Randolph at second, Chris Jambliss at first, Thurman behind the plate, Lou Pinella in left at center was a platoon, Roy White and Oscar Gamble and Reggie in right. And then, you know, you mentioned uh, Ron Guidry, at, uh, you know, that was their ace. And then they had one of the best closers at the time, Goose Gossage, you know. So. Yeah, they did. They I remember remember when Oscar Gamble came over, <laughs> and he was just a platoon guy. I think he had one year he had 240 at bats and 20 home runs. How the hell do you do that? <laughs> well, and how did he get that hat on his head? Oh my God! What <laughs> hair? Holy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, you and I, we got to sit down and talk about old baseball because uh, it's, love it. you know, that's uh, my love for sure. I love baseball more than hockey. So, um, yeah, I do too. I, I, I used to hate the Yankees and then Tim Raines won a world series with the Yankees mm-hmm. and now I love the Yankees. So, mm-hmm. Well, I remember an old story, uh, and I know you're a big Expo fan. So in 93 or 94, Alan, uh, a good friend of mine was playing for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, Lyle Odeline. And he was at a bar downtown in Montreal, and he pulls up in his vet to the front of the... The, the bar is lined up around the corner, and he pulls up, and, you know, everyone... You know, Lyle Odeline, Montreal Canadiens, da 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 At the back of the line is, t- are, uh, is Marquise Grissom and Larry Walker, and they can't get oh, into wow. the bar. <laughs> and Odie says, "What are you doing? Why are you guys standing at the back of the line? Come with me, you know." So that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Those so, guys are yeah, yeah. great players. Oh, I mean, they're two of the best. Uh, no question about that. Uh, Alan Mitchell with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Well, we've never seen it in in our lifetime that a, a team like this for the Oilers with ten straight. Just your uh, overall thoughts on a team that is well firing on all cylinders right now. Well, I, you know, I, I feel like the, the Oilers, um, it, it, it's a tough place to play, Edmonton. You you have a general manager, and then you have about 500,000 general managers who have access to uh, social media. So there's all kinds of questions and pressures about everything. But I think that, that you know, two things. Number one, I'm pleased for this group because they've exceeded the 80s Oilers in a lot of ways, I think, Every Oilers team since 1990 has played in the shadow of that wonderful uh, 1980s Oilers team, and I I don't regret their their existence. I, in fact, it would, for me it was the pinnacle of hockey. Having said that, it's nice that this group has something they can hang their hat on and point to as a a unique uh, in in franchise history accomplishment. And the other thing that I I'm just you know reflected on after the game is as much as Ken Holland has taken a lot of heat uh, during his five years here, coming up on five years. You know, this is his team. And uh, the warts and all, uh, he had an opportunity in, in, say, November, early December, to maybe make a big trade for a goaltender or, or a big, you know, a explosive trade where you break up the team a little bit. And he did change the coach out, but that has worked. And, you know, he was patient with Stuart Skinner, and he was, you know, patient with Ryan McLeod. And finally, McDavid got healthy, and Ekholm got healthy, and Evan Bouchard, who was was playing, uh, like, in terms of execution, it seemed like every turnover ended up in the back of the net. He had a tough start. And now those players, McDavid, Ekholm, Bouchard, uh, Leon, who kind of had some wobble a little bit early in the year, Stuart Skinner, they've always, they've all come through. And I think that you know, oftentimes in in Edmonton, 
there is a, a sense of overwhelming negativity about you know individuals, coaches, whatever. But I think today, if you're Ken Holland, even though it's minus whatever the bloody blue blazes, thirty four. Yeah, so you, if you're Ken Holland, maybe nobody's going to shake your hand and say good job and say, man, you were you were brilliant and patient when a lot of the 500 million online general managers were losing, you know, whatever uh, brain parts they had over the, the poor streak. And let's be honest, it was dire. Holland stayed the course. He kept his powder dry, and I think somebody should give credit for that. Alan Mitchell with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, could you feel the the emotion after the 10th win just in the sense that, again, and you touched on it a little bit, Alan, in, in the sense that, you know, this, this team did something that all the great teams didn't accomplish, and that's 10 wins in a row. You, This is special for this group of guys because they really, really wanted this. You could tell that. Yeah, for sure. And they, it was a team win too, you know, like, one of the one of the key plays was Warren Fogle, who is a you know he's a, a middle six winger. He skates in front of the net. He creates a little bit of havoc. The puck is there. Leon Drysaitel scores. That's the second line, which looks like it has some torque. And Evander Kane moves up, and they have success again. And then you know McDavid, who it was his birthday. Yeah. It's, it's fitting. He passes to Bouchard, who hammers it. But Skinner made some big stops. That was a tight game, and everybody had to play uh, their game. If a, a mistake by the fourth line could have cost big time. The the one error early was, and I mean, it was just a fluky play. Nugent Hopkins didn't mean to trip his player, and then they end up, you know, passing the puck around very well, and the Canadians score early. And there was, what I loved about the game is there was real tension to it. You know, I think people thought, well, they'll go into Montreal and they'll dominate, but the Canadians played a really, a perfect game for them. They played not to give up any goals, and they darn near did it. And uh, Montembeau, I thought, was brilliant. Yeah. But Stuart Skinner was also brilliant. And I, I, I think that, that that the Edmonton Oilers won as a team, and that's a good thing. You know, McDavid's going to score five points on, on nights, more nights than any other player uh, in the league. But that was a team win. And I think in a way that was good for the Oilers because it was a, a, a major victory, something that, that we'll remember for a long, long time and will be brought up whenever they get to close to 10 wins in a row. And, uh, you know, it's a Conor McDavid team, but it was a team effort, and I think that's that, that will bode well for this team. Do you, do you recall Conor McDavid getting booed like that? Uh, you no. Know, I, I no. don't either, and I don't know why. No, well, I think I think it's a I, I love Montreal fans because they're very knowledgeable and they have the lore and the history. And what I liked about that was that that for me, when when opposition fans boo a player, it's just a sign of respect, you know. Uh, or uh, Dennis Potvin, you know, they all got booed there. Montreal is a is a. Uh, more than Toronto uh, is a is a like a hockey mecca, and and a big part of that is the fans. So when they changed buildings to go to the forum from the forum to the new one, uh, you know maybe they lost a little bit of the lore, but the the fans are the ones. They're almost like the the uh, the official spokesperson of of NHL fandom and the booing for McDavid, which happened after he was assaulted. I don't know why they were upset about the penalty. That was a, clearly a penalty against McDavid. The, the, I don't remember the forward, but he did everything but, but you know, actually punch him in the face. Uh, that was a penalty, no doubt about it. And uh, the Habs 
I, I, same with the nurse play who, you know, nurse got wrecked in, in overtime and it ended up being a, 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 power, a power play late for the Oilers. Uh, those were clear penalties, but I think it was a compliment to McDavid because the fans know who he is and what impact. And in fact, the fans were right. McDavid uh, sent the pass over to Bouchard, who had just hammered that. Yeah. That was a gorgeous goal. You know, Alan Mitchell with us on Sports 1440. That's where I was going next Next with Evan Bouchard. You and I have talked about him a lot on this uh, program, on your program, and pretty well every program in town. But 10 goals, 30 assists. He's got 40 points in 39 games. I mean, uh, he is playing as well as we've ever seen him play. And he's, you know, he's feeding off the, the what what Matthias Ekholm is giving him uh, defensively. But he's bringing the element, obviously, of, of offense. Uh, I mean, he is he is a top five. Uh, he's he's going to be in the top five, six guys for Norris uh, Norris votes, and when it, when it's all said and done here, yeah, he, he's. I think that he's maturing, and and you know, I, we we can't overstate the importance of having a really good partner, uh, and and you know, Eckholm is that, but Bouchard has finally reached a point. A lot of the plays that he was was not making early that ended up costing goals were that he was in de, in between or indecisive. I remember one play where. I mean, he was he was in good position, and then he made two steps towards the opposition end as the puck was turned over. And it's a small thing, but it's also a thing that, that defensemen have to learn. And Bouchard's just on the right side of the puck pretty much all the time now. And that is, I think, partly coaching. And what we've heard about Paul Coffey is that, that he has encouraged his players to, to be more decisive and be aggressive. And I think for Bouchard, that has been a key because you can see it in his game. He's, not, he's less hesitant. He, he makes a decision and then commits to it. And it has, it has paid off in a big way. And as you say, I mean, I think you know, the 40 points is one thing, but the overall goal share, and they're playing as a five-man unit with the McDavid line, they, they can't break that up. It is hot as a firecracker, and it is a difference maker. They score a goal at five-on-five five about every 10 minutes of play, and that's once a game and sometimes more. That's a big advantage when a coach can go into a game and say, if I play this five-man group at five-on-five five for 10 minutes, I'll be up a goal. That's a big deal. What do you make of tomorrow's game, low tide, with uh, Toronto coming into town? You've got, well, I mean, <laughs> when you think about all the Leafs' high-priced talent up front and the Oilers' stars, I mean, that is star power tomorrow. Uh, you know, we don't see games like this a lot in the NHL where so many head-to-head guys will be going, but it could be a 6-5 game, and then when we always say that, it ends up to be like 3-2 or something like that. Yeah, well, the the, the Leafs come in, and they're, they're, they're hurting a little bit. They've got, you know, some goaltending issues. Uh, and they're, but they're they're a wonderful team with the puck on their stick, and Toronto always plays Edmonton tough. I know several season ticket holders who can basically mm. pay for their season yes. tickets just by selling off a Toronto, <laughs> Toronto and Montreal and maybe Boston games. So it'll be a fun game. I think I think Toronto's in a little bit of turmoil. That could mean one of two things. It may mean that they're going to come out and play a splendid game. Or if the orders get up early, this could be a rare laugher against Toronto. I don't expect that, but there are some some elements to their game right now that, that lend themselves to thinking that way. When you were growing up, uh, Alan, before the Oilers came on the scene, were you like, did you were you a fan of the Leafs? You know, in the '60s or whatever '70s. My my parents and my grandparents were Leafs fans, and then when they traded Frank Mahovlich in 1968. <laughs> 
that split the whole family up. Like, my dad didn't watch as much. But I became a Bobby Orr fan right around that time. Yeah. And so I was a Bruins fan. I loved the Bruins. And and I grew to, to like openly uh, hate Sam Pollock because he built so many great Montreal teams. So I was anti-Montreal and pro-Boston Bruins. And despite the fact that in my early years, my grandma, like, you know, Johnny Bauer, if he'd come to my grandma's house, he, I, he would have been, like, treated like royalty. Uh, but the, the, the Leafs fandom in me faded, and then I became a Boston Bruins fan because of Bobby Orr. And I think a lot of uh, young people in my generation did the same thing or was unbelievable. You think the Bruins should have won two or three more cups? Yeah, they should have won in 71. They were up big. They've been out. Sanderson had been out partying, mm-hmm. I think it was April 8th of 71. <laughs> and if they'd won that game, they were up big. And then Belovo scored a bunch of goals. Belovo killed the Bruins. He did. He scored in overtime in 69. And then he had a big game April 8th, 71. And they ended up winning. Just a, if you, The highlights are on TV. It's just yeah. it, it's ghastly if you're a Bruins fan. It's like brilliant if you're a uh, Canadians fan. But the... the if, if Boston had won in 71, they would have won three in a row. Uh, and if Bill Schmidt had protected Daniel Bouchard in the expansion draft, maybe they would have won more. But I'm not bitter or anything, and I've, <laughs> I've let it go, Kevin. You, you know we had the chief uh, Johnny Busick on the show a couple of months ago. Nice. There yeah. you go. Busick, my favorite Busick story, aside from all the things that he did you know, with the Bruins, his family, when the year was over, they would drive from Boston to Edmonton, and then when the training camp was, was ready to start, they'd drive from Edmonton to Boston. That's a hell of mm-hmm. a hell of a trip, man. I'm telling you. Well, he just got this uh, kind of a beer line out a couple of months ago. It's 9.5 percent alcohol. Love it. Yeah, you got to strain it through <laughs> your teeth. <laughs> well, I might, I might have to, I might have to not have the chaser with that kind of uh, alcohol content. Well, you know what? We uh, Chris Pronger was supposed to be our guest in studio this morning, and he was going to bring in his uh, Journey whiskey. So yes. the, the Duke and I were going to be having some shots this morning. Now that's out the window. Well, it's cold. Well, that's why we wanted the shots, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, thanks for hopping on this morning. Uh, have a great show. Do you know who's coming up on your show uh, yet, or do you got to check in with Declan? Uh, well, I've got uh, Gregor's on at about one twenty okay. or so. Uh, we'll be talking heavily NFL and obviously uh, the Oilers streak as well, which mm-hmm. is just a marvel. And we'll we'll probably mention that McDavid guy once or twice. Once or twice, yes. Uh, thanks for hopping on today, Alan. Uh, have a good show today. All right, enjoy the chat. Yeah, that's Alan Mitchell. Uh, low down with low tide, 12 o'clock till 2 o'clock right here on Sports 1440. And the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. Lorianne Munzer has entered the building. I don't know how she got here. Maybe she cycled here. We'll probably. <laughs> could you imagine that? Yeah, she just got back from the U.S. We'll talk about that. Kind of like uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, I think, maybe. So uh, that's coming up at the top of the hour with Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. But much more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 751 in Edmonton, minus 34 out there. Text coming in, one 1440 Sherwood Park Luke says, I can't believe you guys are wasting the entire low tide segment on baseball. From Sherwood Park Luke. Well, unless I was beamed in outer space, uh, Luke, I don't know. I thought we talked quite a bit about the Oilers for 10, 12 minutes. Uh, but we did enjoy talking about baseball as well. There's plenty of things to talk about. 
plenty of things to talk about. Sherwood Park, Luke. Uh, Bobby V, the Bobby V says, uh, morning gentlemen, as a Cowboys fan for a very long time, I expect playoffs futility. They are the Maple Leafs of the NFL. They usually have a good regular season only to turn any playoff game into a comedy of errors. I would love to see Belichick coach this team because they need someone who can stand up to Jerry Jones and tell him to keep his nose out of it. Belichick wouldn't baby the players the way the last several coaches have done. Well, I don't know if Jerry Jones will ever keep his nose out of anything when he is the owner, uh, president, GM. Yikes. Uh, Northside Norm says, uh, morning, gents. Maybe Montreal didn't like McDavid running their goaltender, hence the booze. And he kind of has a chuckle about that. Yeah, I I don't really recall, and I think Low Tide sort of agreed. I don't recall Connor McDavid getting booed the way he did in in Montreal. I kind of laughed at... Wasn't it funny how the what the three stars were? And, you know, Montebo was the first star. And, and the Duke and I talked about this a few weeks ago, about how the stars are picked. Who who decides it? Is it the home broadcaster, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, Montebo was the first star. Matheson, the second star. And Bouchard, the third star. It reminds me of the old story in the 50s and 60s, well, probably the 50s. There was an old story about uh, Detroit Red Wings uh, went into Montreal and played uh, the Canadians and after the game one of the analysts were they were talking about the three stars and he said well Rocket Richard was the first star he played an incredible uh, two-way game had several chances uh, yada yada the second star Doug Harvey just a superb effort on the blue line uh, whatever you know goes on and on and the third star Jacques Plant made several big big saves uh, just outstanding in the Montreal Canadiens goal and honorable mention to Gordy Howe. Without his three goals, the Red Wings would have never won 5 nothing. That's how the Stars go in Montreal. Um, Connor McDavid again now. That's a 10-game point streak that he's got going. That's the 14th 10-game point streak of his career that ties him with Mario Lemieux for third all-time. Now, I think you would probably know who one of the players ahead of Connor McDavid is. I think everyone would say Wayne Gretzky. Do you know who the second player is that has a more 10-game point-scoring streaks in his career? Send us a note, 1833-401-1440, 1833-401-1440. At the top of the hour, we will check in with Lorianne Munzer. She's very busy and chilled after she just came into the studio after a 27-mile bike ride in the frigid temperatures. I highly doubt it. But um, And Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Uh, brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football. Well, Saturday, Sunday, and even today. Two games today in the afternoon and at night. And you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.